All right, welcome to Paranoid America. I am Russell Dowden, your host. I am the former publisher of Weird Magazine and Paranoid Magazine, as well as even I published InfoWars Magazine for a little while there uh, some time back. But I have been jumping back in the seat here as there's been some news out there with the UFOlogies kind of piqued my interest back here in recent months. Uh, uh, there's been a lot of younger generation out there doing podcasts covering paranormal and UFOs, and and I've been wanting to get back in this. I host another show on another topic here on an ESPN affiliate here in Austin, Texas. So uh, I'm still in radio, but I I wanted to do this on the side because we've been seeing a lot of activity in the mainstream media covering UFOs. Is Balloons traveling across the country. Are they shooting these down? It's just been the Air Force has released things. The the, the Congress has had some some recent re, uh, revelations with UFOs, and Senator Rubio has made some arguments out there, making the case for. To me, it's I think they're making the case for boogeymen, and they want to keep you know the defense budget going and and keep the the wag the dog political agenda going for that. And I think that's a lot for that reason. I think they have a lot of keep stirring this up, but just the other day they had another announcement about a whistleblower came forth, whether or not it was, he was blowing the whistle on crash landings that had been retrieved. So this is new, but to talk with us about this is, is my guest this week is Norio Hayakawa from New Mexico. I have been familiar with his work for, uh, at least as early as 1994, I've been a, a fan of Norio's for many years. He's the former director of the Civilian Intelligence Network, which was a loosely knit citizens watchdog group on government accountability. And uh, the network of researchers and investigators that he had all gathered, um, you know, primarily focused was on the government's black budget programs especially like out there in Groom Lake in Area 51. He's based in the southwestern U.S. I became aware of him through a 1995 article in High Times. And uh, we'll just bring in Norio this week, my guest on podcast number three here at Paranoid America. Joining us is from New Mexico, Norio Hayakawa. How are you, sir? Oh, thank you very much, Russell, uh, for uh, having me on uh, your show again. I'm so excited uh, that uh, you called me, and uh, now I'm uh, on your show again, <laughs> talking about my favorite subject matter, which is weird and paranoia. <laughs> the word weird and paranoia are my two favorite words, Well, because indeed, this world itself is weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, the two magazines I happen to publish in over the last 20 years, two of the four or five I've published now, uh, two of them were Weird Magazine and Paranoid Magazine. So this is an overdue conversation to have with you. I've been a big fan of your work for many years, heard you on a lot of shows. So you and I became friends on Facebook a couple of years ago. I, I follow you and the, the beautiful pictures that you share with your with and your music that you share there with us on on social media. So uh, I'm, I've reached out and asked you to do an interview with me on this subject, which we're both fans of. So great to have you on Paranoid America today. Thank you so much, Russell. I mean, uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, it's endless, but uh, yeah. you know, you well, have to keep up with the latest. You know, it is so endless, Norio. 
you started in what 61 as a researcher in this how did you get involved on this crazy path well because uh, in 1961 i was a high school student and uh, i renewed my interest at that time in ufos uh, because uh, until then i was a lot of people were just using the term flying saucers because uh, when I was growing up uh, in Yokohama, Japan, uh, you know, uh, my father used to tell me of his uh, sighting of a strange object in the summer of 1947 while he was night fishing in uh, the Bay of Yokohama, Japan. That was uh, around 1947 that he claimed that he saw this strange ball of fire, a uh, greenish ball of fire, slowly maneuvering over the bay as he was night fishing. And uh, so uh, that uh, was my biggest influence, my father. Uh, oh. So I was just a kid there at that, that time uh, in the uh, early 1950s. Uh, but uh, after I started, uh, you know, my high school in around 1961, I renewed my interest in this subject. And uh, so 1961 was the year when I actually seriously started researching this whole subject matter. Uh, in 1961, when I was in high school, I already joined a, a bunch of uh, uh, UFO uh, groups in Japan, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. then I used to subscribe to American uh, newsletters such as uh, Aerial Phenomena Research Organization as well as NICAP. NICAP, yeah. Uh, you know, MUFON was not known at that time, but mm -hmm. uh, APRO and NICAP were my main, uh, you know, sources at that time in 1961. So, yeah, that's a long time of uh, investigating, and uh, mm -hmm. I have, uh, uh, I have uh, you know, acquired lots of information, and I have begun to sift the information, such as which information is reliable and which are not, you know, and so... At this present time, I have uh, uh, revised a lot of my thinking about this entire subject matter, but even today, I'm a firm believer that there is this thing called the UFO phenomenon, which still is not solved. That's right. And, and uh, so what a tremendous subject matter this is, because this subject matter is slowly evolving and, uh, you know, but basically, we cannot uh, uh, discount this thing that it, uh, it, it, it exists. And uh, the more and more I think about it, I, uh, I'm just uh, convinced that this is one of the most important subject matters in the entire human history. You know, I think I talked to you last time mm -hmm. or i think you may have seen my article or something about uh one amazing case that took place in my state new mexico well the farmington the farmington case right yes yes and this is this case is one of those cases that still one to that still makes me believe in the reality of UFOs, whether we know the nature of the phenomenon or not, it's real. And uh, so in 1950, 
This spectacular uh, UFO sighting, it's one of the most spectacular UFO sightings in U.S. history. It happened in the state of New Mexico in a small town called Farmington mm -hmm. in 1950. And uh, I described this uh, uh, incident in my article with the same title. And uh, even to this day, I consider this one of the most important. In other words, you have to forget about Roswell 1947. You have to forget about the Phoenix Lights of 1997 mm -hmm. because those were really important events, but nothing can compare to what took place over the skies of Farmington, New Mexico, <laughs> in March of 1954, three days in a row. And this sets apart from other sightings, you know, because this happened for three consecutive days, March 15th, 16th, and 17th of 1950. Uh, each day between the time of around 11 o'clock in the morning to lunchtime, so about an hour wow. uh, for three consecutive days. So. Nothing like this has ever taken place anywhere. Uh, the closest that I can compare this fascinating sighting, the closest is an incident that happened in the Middle Ages in 1561 in a place called Nuremberg, Germany, where thousands of people watched hundreds and hundreds of objects maneuvering over their town of Nuremberg. Mm -hmm. That happened in 1561, but never like, nothing like this happened in the United States uh, until 1950. And this is why I was so fascinated by this incident. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're not talking about one or two metallic disc-shaped objects we're talking about anywhere from 200 to 400 disc-shaped metallic silver-colored objects seen in the sky performing all kinds of maneuvers, uh, making all kinds of formations and simply giving incredible flight show in the sky. And, uh, you know, so what I'm talking about is this unprecedented uh, sighting. Uh, uh, and there is, uh, fortunately, uh, a photo black and white photo, one of uh, only few photos that uh, that have been available because uh, a lot of the photos that people took in Farmington on March 15th, 16th, and the 17th. You know, hundreds of these. Now, there, there's been cases in New Mexico in video in the 90s where there was like, you know, dozens and dozens of these objects yeah. flying around. You were telling us about the 15th century case. Um, yes, but uh, here, Russell, this is the difference. Here's the difference. Uh, what happened was uh, I myself personally visited the Farmington Senior Center a few years ago and interviewed one of those witnesses, actually uh, wow. one or two witnesses I interviewed. And uh, they all said the same thing, 
exactly as it was described in the Farmington Daily News uh, uh, newspaper. The front uh, page headline had a one inch thick headline that said uh, the huge saucer armada. An armada is a humongous group group of uh, things, you know, and huge saucer armada jolts Farmington. And this was the front page top headline. And, uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> the, the, the newspaper company uh, made a huge spelling mistake because uh, they were so excited that they misspelled the subheadline. It said uh, it says crafts seen by hundreds. They misspelled hundreds instead of saying H U N D R E D S. They spelled H U D R E D S. Hundreds. <laughs> so <laughs> they were excited about this amazing incident. And what happened was that uh, uh, there are still some folks in Farmington that can uh, swear that they saw the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I visited the Farmington Senior Center a few years ago, and uh, uh, it was amazing. Uh, you know, uh, the, those witnesses now uh, are at an age of probably 92 or to 95 already, because uh, let's say that they were 20-year-old or 18 years old when they saw this thing in the sky yeah in 1950 those people are now getting old and year by year they're dwindling in number but i was so fortunate to uh to uh talk to them and uh, uh many of them said that immediately after this amazing incident government agents came to town quickly and discouraged people to uh, talk about the incident for national security reasons and the reason is understandable because it was the 1950 was a, a, the height of the Cold War and uh, you know uh, and the people were quite receptive and cooperative with whatever the government had told them and probably I'm saying probably even handing them photos or films that they may have taken negatives including and also government agents uh, bought up a large portion of the editions of the newspapers of March 18, 1950. So uh, the newspaper headline of Farmington appeared on the third day because uh, uh, it happened for three days. And finally, on the third day, they decided to make this into a humongous article, and it did. Well, let's stay so, right there. Stay right there, Noria. We're going to take a commercial break, our first break of the show, and we'll be right back. Paranoid America, we're getting a little history there, New Mexico ufology from Norio Hayakawa here on Paranoid America. We'll be right back after this, guys.
As a duly designated representative of the city, county, and state of New York, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Wayne. You do not realize you are in an interstellar conveyance. You are already outside the atmosphere of your own planet. In an instant of pure time, we travel from beyond your moon to the surface of your Earth. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile, found sometime last week, has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico, and sent to Wright Field, Ohio, for further inspection. Demonstration. Shoot a status report. Be operational and all my circuits are functioning perfectly. Excellent! Engineering to Captain Kirk. Kirk, yeah, what is this guy? Ready to try it when you are, sir. Inform engine room to prepare for maximum acceleration. Energize. Hey, it works! Program complete. Enter when ready. Tired of the lies, conspiracies, and propaganda the deep state uses to program you? Does the thought of empirical corporate globalism make you paranoid? Then Paranoid America is your source for alternative news. Listen to Paranoid America weekly on the GCN Radio Network or wherever podcasts are available. Your filter for mainstream fake news and disinformation. Featuring world news, the paranormal, cover-ups, UFOs, cosmic disclosure, secret space programs, and the parapolitical soup of today's global theater. If you aren't paranoid, you aren't listening. The Paranoid America Radio Show. Now, live from an underground bunker fortified with cheese whiz and crackers. The man dressed in black fatigues, wearing a tin hat made of aluminum foil. Your host, Mr. Paranoid, Russell Dowden. Welcome back to Paranoid America. This is episode number three. Our continuing our conversation with Norio Hayakawa on the broadcast this week. Uh, coming up on the future shows, I'm going to have Bart Sabrell on from the author of the book Moon Man will be on the show. Bart Sabrell been on my program from once before on Weird Radio many years ago, but he directed the film. A uh, funny thing happened on the way to the moon and. Uh, he also did uh, when astronauts gone wild. Bart's done a few, a uh, few uh, controversial documentary films, but he'll be on. Our friend Jack Blood from Seattle, Washington, will be on. Jack's former uh, syndicated talk show host. Richard Serrett will be back on, on part two on the uh, 29th of this month, and then we'll have on a friend of ours, uh, uh, alien abductee. Researcher and experiencer Ray Muniz will be on kicking off July. So that's the lineup there for the upcoming few weeks here with Paranoid America. And we'll jump back with our conversation 
with Norio Hayakawa from New Mexico joining us back on the program. Norio, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Russell. I want to move the conversation a little more beyond the Farmington. I wanted to ask you, you know, when when what was the mission statement that you guys had for Civilian Intelligence Network? What was, you know, what was your real motivation in getting that organization going? Well, the motivation for creating the Civilian Intelligence Network, which was a uh, uh, loosely net, uh, loosely knit network of researchers in the Los Angeles area. Uh, our mot- motive was to dig into the so-called Deep Black Projects program of the uh, military uh, because uh, it was about our hard-earned tax dollars being used to, uh, uh, you know, military programs, uh, mo- many of which were, were very legitimate. But there are... St- there were still many programs that were completely uh, unknown, and those were the deep black projects programs. So we had every right to know, to make sure that these programs uh, were going according to the uh, environmental regulations and not cause harm to the people. And so that was the main goal, and our goal was for the government to admit that there is a facility uh, called Area 51. But mm-hmm. until late 1990s, the government never admitted that there's such a place called Area 51. They only admitted that there was an operating base near Groom Lake. And that was the only description. And even that was wrong because it wasn't near Groom Lake. It was on Groom Lake. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were, well, you were, you know, you were out there digging this story up on Area 51 right around the time that Bob Lazar came out. You were out there when he and 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 his guys were filming these craft out there in in the Nevada desert near the exactly. test site. You were out there when. Uh, when this was going on, so I mean, you you've been a part of this story for a long time as it's evolved. It's a uh, what has been some of the craziest things you've seen out there, you know, with regards to Area Fifty One all these years ago. Well, you know, it all started uh, actually uh, in nineteen eighty nine. That's when I when I uh, actually went there uh, in the. Uh, around uh, October or something of 1989. And uh, uh, we visited the uh, small town called Rachel, where, which is about uh, 20 miles, uh, uh, you know, north of uh, Area 51. It's a small community. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the town of Rachel had a few people that actually worked at the base, including the owner of that uh, little uh, you know, a, a, a coffee shop or a bar. It's it was called Rachel's. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, was a little uh, little alien. Yes, but the original name was Rachel's Bar and Grill, and uh-huh. uh, the owner actually, Pat, uh, the uh, well, uh, this guy Joe Travis. He was a carpenter, and he he worked occasionally at the base. And uh, so one of the weirdest things that happened was that uh, in 1991, 
or actually, yeah, in, let's go to 1993 first. In 1993, Joe Travis, the owner of Little Alien, and my friend Gary Schultz and I, we decided to have a special gathering at the parking lot. It was called the Ultimate Seminar, and it was held in 1993. And, uh, you know, we were excited because uh, we somehow got in touch with this uh, Bob Lazar and uh, many other folks. And we asked Bob Lazar to speak at this uh, gathering. That was the first time ever that Bob Lazar appeared in public. And so we were so excited. So on the uh, a day before the uh, uh, seminar, we went to uh, Rachel and we were so surprised to see a humongous military tent being set up at the parking lot. It, it was a huge military tent and there were about 250 chairs. And uh, we asked Joe Travis where he got that military tent. And uh, he told us that he borrowed it from the base, which was very... Uh -huh. It's strange because it seemed like the, the 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 people at the base, the Area 51, knew about this seminar, and uh, they decided to uh, you know allow uh, this tent to be used for that. It was very weird. Well, you know, conspiracies run rampant around that Archuleta Mesa there in Dulce, and I know you've investigated the Dulce Plateau area. People have. Uh, Talked about the underground bases there. Well, what what do you know about uh, about about this this conspiracy theory? We know that there was uh, uh, Phil Schneider made many claims about that back in the seventies. We've heard about the firefight at Dulce. What do you what do you know about Dulce there in New Mexico? Well, actually, this is what happened. Uh, uh, it was Bob Lazar who first came with the story that. There was an altercation in 1979 somewhere in America. He didn't say it was at Area 51, but he said somewhere in America there was an altercation in an underground facility in 1979, whereby about 66 American uh, uh, soldiers, uh, you know, the uh, special forces people, were killed in this uh small uh, battle that took place in an underground facility and that was actually Dulce because in 1979 yes they say that they, there was an altercation but uh, Bob Lazar didn't speci specify the location but by that time in 1995 uh, Phil Schneider came out and uh, he uh, embellished the story about the Dulce War of 1979, and he made himself a protagonist of that supposed incident. And uh, so, <clears throat> actually, Phil Schneider's claims were based on the story told first by Bob Lazar in 1989. But, uh, you know, ever since that time in 19, uh, well, in 1989, uh, well, you know, I visited that location the following year in 1990 with the Japanese television crew to Dose to interview people. 
And uh, we did interview at least 25 local people in Dulce. They were uh, the Native American uh, Hikari Apache people, but uh, many of them said they had seen strange lights. They had seen flights of the military helicopters over there and so on. And, and uh, <clears throat> you know, so eventually I made a lot of friends there. I still have a lot of friends in Dulce. There's no doubt in my mind that there is something there. Even though physically we cannot prove that there is an underground base as such anywhere in Dose or near Dose, but there's plenty of strange circumstantial evidences of people reporting strange incidents such as sightings of, uh, uh, of uh, an entity that almost appeared like uh, Bigfoot near the Navajo River in Dosen, you know, things like this keep going on even these days. And so, you know, this is the reason why I think that even though we cannot prove that there is uh, a base over there uh, in Dulce, we are certain that it is a location of utmost importance. And I believe that the Air Force uh, knew it, that there was something there. And my conclusion is that I think that there is some kind of paraphysical activity going on over there that cannot be proven by uh, just uh, scientific methods. Yeah, There's something there. There's also a lot going on with that uh, Skywalker Ranch up in Utah. A lot of people talk, Norio, about how the a lot of the research that was out there at the Nevada test site and, the, and that range went to Utah. There's a lot of rumor, speculation that folks had moved uh, many of the projects from S4 and, and the Nevada test site to underground programs in the middle of the, the salt flats there in Utah. Uh, have yes. you... Have you gotten any indication of that having been, you know, true that there's programs now in Utah and and then any any thoughts if you have any on Skywalker Ranch there as well? Well, you know, uh, actually you talk near Dulce, it was called the uh, Redding Ranch. It's located at the foothills of Archipelago Mesa, right next to the Colorado state line. Mm -hmm. And in the 1990s, uh, uh, Bob Bigelow and his Discovery Foundation of Las Vegas sent a team of researchers to this uh, uh, ranch uh, located right next to Dulce. And it's called the, as I told you, uh, it's called the uh, uh, Redding Ranch. And, uh, uh, but, uh, Unfortunately, they didn't have any conclusive evidence that it was part of the underground base. But uh, even today, people report some strange incidents near that ranch. And uh, unfortunately, no one, no one can have access to that ranch right next to Dulce because it belongs to the Ute Reservation, the Ute tribe. Uh, owns that ranch, who was the uh, 
state patrol officer of Dulce, New Mexico, for many years, Gabe Valdez, mm. uh, said that, uh, yeah, <clears throat> he doesn't have any answer because uh, he is mystified. He was mystified as well, as well as uh, several ranchers near Dulce who has who have visited the uh, Redding Ranch in, in Dulce. So, you know, the basic thing is this: anybody that says that there's nothing at Dulce is wrong because there's something there. So. It may not be totally physical, but something that I would describe as paraphysical or paranormal yeah. seem to exist over there. Yeah, and I mean, you can go, you can even go back to uh, Lyndon Moulton House, done cattle mutilation reports have come from there. There's been just a lot of eerie, weird things over about a 50 year period surrounding the. Archuleta Mesa in Dulce, New Mexico. Stay right there, Norio. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll come back and continue our conversation. And uh, maybe I want to get your thoughts maybe on this whole unmanned uh, UAP phenomena. They're calling UFOs UAP now. And we'll talk with our guest, Norio Hayakawa, uh, about why that might be happening. It's Paranoid America. We'll be back after this. This evening is over You might give me the brush You might forget your manners You might refuse to stay And so the best that I can do Is pray As you are in an interstellar conveyance, you are already outside the atmosphere of your own planet. In an instant of your time, we travel from beyond your moon to the surface of your Earth. Close encounters of the first kind. Sighting of an unidentified flying object. Close encounters of the second kind. Physical evidence of a UFO. Close encounters of the third kind. Contact. From Steven Spielberg, the director of Jaws, comes one of the most ambitious and unusual films ever made. And what you will see has never been seen before. It is a cosmic mystery, crossing what many scientists believe will be the next threshold of human experience. It is called Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It begins in an Indiana town and leads to one inescapable conclusion. We are not alone. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. A Columbia Pictures presentation in association with EMI. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Good evening. As a duly designated representative of the city, county, and state of New York, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Wayne. Live from an undisclosed location from Austin, Texas, this is Para Times Radio with your host, Russell Dowdy. I knew it. This is an alien, and you guys are from some government agency trying to keep it under wraps. Exclusively on Talk Radio 1370, Austin. 
Are you tired of the lies, conspiracies, and propaganda the deep state uses to program you? Does the thought of empirical corporate globalism make you paranoid? Then Paranoid America is your source for alternative news. Listen to Paranoid America weekly on the GCN Radio Network or wherever podcasts are available. Your filter for mainstream fake news and disinformation. Featuring world news, the paranormal, cover-ups, UFOs, cosmic disclosure, secret space programs, and the parapolitical soup of today's global theater. Tune in weekly as we dig deep into the dark vault of false flag agendas and unlock the esoteric and the unknown. If you aren't paranoid, you aren't listening. The Paranoid America Radio Show. Now, live from an underground bunker fortified with cheese whiz and crackers, the man dressed in black fatigues, wearing a tin hat made of aluminum foil, your host, Mr. Paranoid, Russell Dowden. podcast number our episode number three of the paranoid america show that we're doing we're kicking this thing back up uh, jo- uh this week's guest norio hayakawa joining us from new mexico and then next week author of moon man bart sabrell will be joining us on the podcast funny thing happened on the way to the moon the documentary film he attests to the fact that he believes and there's evidence that nasa faked the moon landings Bart Sabrell will talk moon landings. I'm reading his book right now, Moon Man, which is about him getting harassed by the CIA and, and all of this jazz. And uh, Bart will be on to, to tell us whether or not he, he thinks that the, if, if the astronaut and the whole uh, Apollo program was faked. Uh, but then after that, Jack Blood, the old broadcast friend, buddy of mine, will be on to talk uh, political topics. And, and, uh, and then Richard Serrett will be on for part two. Uh, Richard, of course, hosts Coast to Coast AM um, Sundays uh, there at um, for George Norrie. And then uh, UFO contacting Ray Moonies will be on the program July 6th. But uh, let's get back to our conversation with uh, Norio Hayakawa joining me here from New Me- from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I believe he's in Albuquerque. We're part of yes. New Me- well, You are in Albuquerque, aren't you? That's correct. Right on, right on. Yeah. Well, you know, it, there's always something spiritual feeling I get when I travel to New Mexico, Noria. I I go through the land of enchantment a few times uh, to visit my dad in Utah. I travel through there to go to Colorado. Um, I've been in and out of New Mexico maybe five times in the last few years, but I've always noticed going back to even to the 90s, Man, I always had this weird, special, energetic feeling in New Mexico. Do you? Do you? You live there. You're you're from there for many years. What? Uh, there's this very spiritual thing I get. I, I don't know if everybody feels it, but I always had that sense when I'm in uh, New Mexico, whether it was north of Santa Fe. Uh, gosh, I really love that Loop area, 54. Uh, when you go up into, uh, uh, well, no, that's north part. Used to say, but I mean. 
eagle nest and angel fire and when you get up there near taos it's just so beautiful up there and and do you get that spiritual feeling yourself living there no question about it so do lots of people in fact uh lots of people who move into new mexico they say that they moved because something told them to move here to new yes. mexico it's indeed a, a land of enchantment in more ways than one and uh it's also called the land of entrapment because those who live here, they stay here. They don't want to go anywhere else. And they're entrapped in this land <laughs> of enchantment for some reason or other. But the New Mexico is an amazing state, a humongous state with a population of only 2 million. I'm talking yeah. about the entire state. New Mexico, which is the fifth largest state. That's right. Yet the entire population is 2 million and it hasn't changed for, uh, you well, know, 20 years. Well, 20 years ago, it was the fifth largest state with a million population back in the early mid mid-90s. I remember ma making trips to Tucumcari when I was young in um, 1995. I mean, I was... I've always wanted to move over there, and a part of me is there's some part of me that wants to go to Eagle Nest, and I've been there. It's very beautiful, um, but uh, you know we could go on talking about New Mexico, but it is a very <laughs> spiritual place, and it is something, and and it, maybe it's the Native Americans, you know, the spirit of the natives there, but um, I've just always been drawn to New Mexico. Yes, no question about it, and that's why I, I'm so blessed to be uh, living here. But, uh, you know, you were mentioning about uh, UAPs. Uh, why the Pentagon has decided to use the term UAP. That's right. Unidentified aerial phen phenomenon instead of unidentified flying objects. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. the Pentagon, as well as NASA, they don't want to use the word UFOs because they're not convinced totally that it's even flying, nor if they are even objects. So the best uh, approach was to use the, the, the word UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, uh, because that way they feel safe. Uh, but, uh, you know, the problem is this, that uh, they are not going to uh, make any disclosure of the true nature of this phenomenon because they themselves are mystified about this entire phenomenon as, as anyone. And uh, so that is the position. So uh, that is the way I feel that there is not going to be any kind of disclosure at all in the future unless it's the entities, in quote, the, the, themselves that first initiated is closest to us yes yeah yeah that that's a good point and i make that i make that point as well in conversations that the we will never get any disclosure from the government norio in my opinion i don't think it, if we do it's like the late J, the late great jim mars used to tell me on my shows and for the years jim used to tell me he would say that it's at least it's you'll get the metered release of information russell you won't get a you'll never get anything all out you'll never get the whole st steak you know you'll get a little bite here and here you'll get a little niblets um but uh, it is about who controls the narrative though isn't it norio 
That is correct. And that, you said it right. And uh, that's the whole key to this whole thing. And like I said, every year they keep uh, promising that uh, they're going to make an announcement of something, but uh, it never happens. It never happens. And, uh, you know, recently NASA got into this uh, public meeting, uh, yeah. I guess, but uh, no, no uh, results, no well, nothing solid. Well, that's what, and I want to make that point too, because just in the last week, you had the meeting with NASA last week, and and nothing really was really announced. I don't know. They announced that they had a meeting, and they were going to talk about UAPs in the meeting, and that's what we kind of got. And then on Monday of this week, we had um, a military whistleblower claim that the U.S. had a UFO retrieval program. Um, Air Force veteran David Gersh claimed that the government was covering up UFOs and had this crash retrieval program. But this is nothing new. We've heard Clifford Stone has been making those claims for 30 years uh, himself that there's been a crash retrieval program. So, uh, um, he, he passed away last year. But, I mean, do you think the government – it's really just about, you know – I don't know. They're sprinkling things out there, Norio, but I don't know what well, they're not giving us any meat and potatoes. That's correct. Because as I said many times, Russell, that uh, I believe that this phenomenon may not be totally physical phenomenon. And so this is, <laughs> this is the reason why, first of all, okay, Russell, I, <laughs> I am very skeptical that, uh, uh, an intelligent, uh, physical spacecraft from elsewhere in the universe uh, have ever come here and even crashed. That the sense of cr something crashing is just a human concept. And it's impossible for anything that travels uh, from that far away using amazing technologies, even to crash here is this is just something ridiculous and, uh, you know, so uh, the only the only reason for the crash stories is maybe uh, it, it could be some kind of a psychological uh, you know operations program to to uh, create some kind of belief yeah for some future reasons. Well, you talked about this in the 1990s in that High Times magazine article. You talked about Project Bluebeam. You talked about this maybe fake alien invasion thing do you think there is and maybe your maybe your thoughts have changed on that over the, over the last 30 years dorio but but uh you know some people talk about that if there's a any kind of release of information that we get it's it seems to go back to the iron mountain report that it's about controlling us through wars and through um, you know, phantom boogeymen. Um, you know, it seems to be the then the Iron Mountain the Iron Mountain report talked about that. That's correct. Uh, to create an artificial threat is one of the uh, central uh, ideas behind uh, lots of uh, you know uh, occultic uh, organizations that uh, seem to have uh, you know approached. Uh, a lot of folks inside the government. And so to create a public fear, that idea is almost like H.G. Wells' idea mm -hmm. of, because uh, any kind of a panic or fear 
that can be created by creating a, a scenario. So that's the basis behind the alleged Project Blue Beam. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there's no evidence that uh, Project Blue Beam is a legitimate uh, program uh, of NASA. There's no evidence for that. But uh, things like this is not an impossibility. But, uh, you know, I, I, I was a promoter of the Project Blue Beam idea in the 1990s. But, uh, you know, we do have technologies now, but uh, it still requires more development of uh, simulation technologies. We do have some amazing uh, technologies right now to even to be able to simulate a localized event by use of uh, holographic projections and sound waves and uh, you know yeah. unmanned aerial vehicles and all that kind of thing but it will take at least another 20 to 30 years before we can actually think about the government being able to stage a globalized incident uh, you know localized incident well maybe uh, but uh, global scale will require more uh, technological advancement. What are your so thoughts? It's not impossible. Doria, what are your thoughts about in the last four years we've had the advent of uh, U.S. Uh, Space Force? What's Space Force? Yes. What's Space Force for? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> uh, what is the purpose of the Space Force? <laughs> it's really not clear. It's not clear, but... Uh, I was just talking to you about the creation of a simulated event. Uh, this is a very important matter right now because uh, people are talking about artificial intelligence. And the artificial intelligence has been developing so fast that actually it's almost impossible to differentiate between what's real and what's not real. And uh, so, you know, artificial intelligence could be a part of uh, maybe future, uh, future uh, simulated uh, events uh, combined with other technologies. Because, you know, for example, <laughs> you know what happened about a couple of weeks ago uh, uh, in Moscow, uh, they broadcast uh, a speech mm -hmm. by Putin and the saying that uh, Russia is being attacked, and a lot of people believed it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, they used the artificial intelligence to actually imitate Putin's actual, uh, you know, voice. quality of voice and his face mm -hmm. and everything. So, you know, anything is possible, but we have to watch out because, uh, you know, even intelligence, intelligent people can be deceived. I want to. We got a few minutes left with you, Norio. I wanted to get your thoughts on. There's a younger generation out there doing podcasting. This subject is being covered now by uh, my kids' generation, and I again, 30 years ago, was their age, and watching you, uh, who was now my age, 30 years ago, doing doing your work. Um, I'd like to think that maybe my generation is really i think the second maybe third group kind of really following and studying this you guys led the way 
25, 35 years ago, um, you know, you were out there with the Stanton Friedmans and the Jacques Vallée and, 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 and those guys really digging up, you know, the, the dirt on Roswell and Area 51 with the, that your research has shown. Uh, do you think that this interest will just keep going? Because I'm seeing this. I got back into it because of the younger generation is, is so prevalent with it now, Norio. Do you, do you find uh, uh, any thoughts on multi-generational, you know, interest in this subject? Yes, I think uh, this topic is still being discussed uh, even among teenagers. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the teenagers have, are almost like geniuses. Yeah. There are lots of geniuses. Uh, uh, and so I'm glad that they are, some of them are interested. And it's those folks, the teenagers and the young generation, that can uh, actually uh, maybe uh, open the door to finding out what the ultimate truth is. So uh, I feel kind of hopeful. I feel kind of hopeful, but of course, it's the work of the older generation uh, like us, you know, yeah. that uh, that started everything. And so I'm glad that uh, we're still alive. Uh, I don't know how many more years we'll be living, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they were very hopeful that the new generation of researchers can have more instruments to, 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 uh, use in this task they are equipped much better than uh older people yeah we we i was young looking up to you when you were being covered in uh you know on tv shows like sightings and and uh you know high times magazine you were you were covered uh, extensively with art bell and coast to coast am so you know you were one of those names uh that i knew about out there and, and it got it sparked a very a, a big interest in this subject with me when I was young, so I thank you for being on the program uh, today and and uh, you know t fire off any social media or anything. What have you got coming up uh, that you'd like to talk about or tell listeners about Norio High Column? Yeah, all we have to do is uh, do a Google search on myself, and uh, I'm on Facebook Norio F I F L, and uh, you know. Uh, I have plenty of new stuffs, enough to keep uh, anybody occupied for hours yeah. and hours. Yeah, he's got and some. So, go right yes. ahead. You got your music out there. Some. You've got your music. You've got your art. You've got your photography. There's a lot of great stuff that you contribute on your social media, right? Yes, and I'm glad that uh, I use social media not to socialize with people, but to to, to, to uh, share these important information. And that's the only reason I'm on social media, not to, uh, you know, you know, not to chat about uh, crazy stuff, but, uh, you know, uh, but uh, it's about uh, providing information. That's my main uh, purpose to, uh, and it's part of uh, uh, the effort to bring people to the reality that we are living in this strange world we have to face this fact. <laughs> well, thank you, Norio, for being a part of the show this week. I, I've always looked up to your work and respected you as an investigator. And and uh, thank you for being a part of my new show here, Paranoid America, my friend. And I wish you the best there in New Mexico. 
Thank you so much, Russell. God bless you, and we'll see you again in the future. Hey, thank you very much. There he goes. That's Norio Hayakawa, our guest this week. Next week, it will be Bart Sabrell talking with us about his new book, Moon Man, and whether or not we really went to the moon. As his documentary claimed, a funny thing happened on the way to the moon. I'm Russell. We'll be back next week with our guest, Bart Sabrell. Have a good one. Keep your eyes to the sky. You.